This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today. The Big Interview, intriguing lives, remarkable careers, and gripping stories. I'm Sonal Rupani alongside Chris McCarty and Robbie Greenfield. There's quite a complex background to this particular story, so. This is a story that was turned into a movie starring Jonah Hill and James Franco. Have a little listen to the trailer. This is the famous Michael Fingal of the New York Times. I think after three years you can call me Mike. This article was about saving young people's lives. You said write it up. I said write it up, not make it up. I did the best with what I had. You have a future ahead of you, Mike, but not here. Hello? I'm a reporter with The Oregonian. I wanted to get your side on the Look. Christian Longo story. Who? He murdered his entire family. Why are you telling me this? Because when they apprehended him, he said he was Mike Finkel of the New York Times. Did he say anything at all about why he claimed to be me? Oh, I tell you, spine tingling that. I've watched the movie. Just that has set the scene beautifully for this story. Yeah, it tells you a couple of the details. For one, Mike Finkel, as we heard there, New York Times journalist. But you could hear that bit where she said, I told you to write it up, not make it up. And so a little bit of background on that is that Mike Finkel had been reporting in Africa. He had essentially falsified a source. He had taken some composite information from different people and then created one single source that he attributed that to. So, of course, that is inaccurate information against the codes and ethics of journalism. So he was eventually fired from the New York Times. But then pretty shortly after that, as you heard as well, he gets a strange call informing him about a man called Christian Longo. Now, Christian Longo was suspected of brutally murdering his wife and three children. And he had been apprehended in Mexico. But the interesting thing is, when the authorities asked him who he was, he had claimed he was Mike Finkel. Mm. Now, a lot of strange events happen here, and we caught up with Mike to get a little bit of the the background as to what had actually happened, because there's a lot of questions that come up instantly here. Why on earth was Christian Longo, suspected murderer at the time, claiming to be Mike Finkel? Now, I'm not a famous writer, and I don't have a lot of fans. I'm no Stephen King or anything like that, (laughs) but turns out that Chris Longo had this murderer, or the man who was wanted for murder, had always dreamed of becoming a journalist. And for whatever reason, he really liked the articles I wrote. He he was a fan. I guess there's no other way to put it. I have one fan. He turns out to be a psychopathic murderer. But you take him where you can get him. So, you know, why did he choose my work? I mean, I'd like to say he has good taste in journalists. But um, he just, this is just a guy who had children when he was very young. Now, I have a family myself. In fact, I have a wife children now but i didn't get married until i was much older and i think maybe he wished that he had some of the freedoms that one has before you start a family and uh chose to take on my name to sort of live the life that he imagined that a uh, um a, a widely traveled journalist lives now mike might like the notion of that but as we will quickly realize That wasn't why he took Mike Finkel's name at all. But the story then, as Sonor rightly points out, a man arrested, suspected of murdering his wife and three children. He's down in Cancun in Mexico. Police apprehend him. First thing he says is, I'm Mike Finkel. Mike Finkel, journalist for the Oregonian, calls Mike to say, there's a guy 
uh, pretending or claiming to be you, Mike says, I need to get face-to-face with this guy. At this point, Christian Longo, or Chris Longo as he was known, refusing to give any interviews for a journalist, any budding journalist, any good journalist, it was to get face-to-face with a guy that has been suspected of murdering his wife and children. They did eventually meet face-to-face. It was the first interaction. What was that like? And I had to ask Mike, what was the first question that he put to Christian? I was, of course, just the same question you asked me just a minute ago. Like, you know, why would Chris Longo, this murderer, take on my identity? And, of course, I wanted to know what about the crimes, et cetera. And so I wrote Chris Longo a letter and saying, hey, I'm the real Mike Finkel. Uh, Maybe we can communicate. Now, Chris Longo, the murderer, had not spoken with any journalist, hadn't spoken with anyone. He didn't even speak to his own parents. He was locked in jail awaiting his trial. But yet... He responded to me and invited me to come visit him at the jail. And despite the fact that there were, you know, this is a jail visiting room. There was a piece of bulletproof uh, glass in between us. And we were speaking over uh, telephones, even though we were face to face. I was extraordinarily nervous, as one might imagine, not only to meet this person who likely was a murderer, but also, you know, had taken on my identity, had so many questions. But I have to tell you. What I think was the most frightening thing about Chris Longo, and I and I, th- I think if you're like like me, I think all of your ideas about what a murderer looks like might come from movies and TVs, and it's usually pretty clear who the murderer is from Silence of the Lambs to Charles Manson, Charlie Manson. You know, they all have a crazy look in their eye or a swastika, or, you know, in, you know, carved into their forehead. But the thing about Chris Longo was that he looked utterly normal. He could make jokes. He was witty. He smiled. You know, the thing that really creeped me out is that nothing about him was creepy at all. And that was really like the thing that startled me. And I, you know, even his own wife before she was murdered, never, never said she never worried about her husband, never feared that he would be violent. And yet, Uh, This is a guy who could hide that. So, you know, if you start thinking about that, you know, who's evil amongst us? And the truth is that you just can't tell. And that's the thing that sticks with me the most about our first meeting. Scary, that. That is really spooky. It puts you on edge and it makes you question... A lot. Everyone and everything around you a little bit. Yeah, because I think the notion is that you would be able to spot someone like that or at least there would be some character traits or mm. at least you'd be, he looks to me as if he's a bad egg or having spent time but this is a guy Mike Finkel who's travelled the globe he's a journalist for goodness sake there was no cues he, as he said there this guy was as normal as they come I wanted to find out how the relationship evolved from there bearing in mind that in many ways Mike is seeking redemption he is a and I hate to use the word but he is at this point a disgraced journalist he is out of a job he cannot get a job for love nor money in a lot of ways this opportunity I hate to call it an opportunity but it is Christian in a lot of ways he offered Mike salvation the name of the book that I wrote the name of the movie that uh, that, that came out based on the book is called True Story and that's uh it's sort of a tongue-in-cheek uh, title because Chris Longo swore that he would only tell me the truth, and I knew that this guy was probably a murderer. This is before his trial, and most likely a liar. And of course, I wanted to know uh, why would a person do such a terrible crime, kill your wife and kids, and you can just get divorced and leave your family. That's not illegal. That happens. You know, why would someone do such a thing? 
And it started the, this one-year sort of cat-and-mouse game. started out with Chris Longo telling me that he was innocent and didn't do it. He, not only that, he was even more persuasive than that. He said, Mike, I knew you were just fired from the New York Times, as I explained, and the last thing that you could afford is to make another mistake on an article, so I will prove to you that I am innocent. I will talk only to you, and I will give you the scoop of a lifetime, and you can write a story and show that I'm innocent, and I want you to double and triple check everything I say because I don't want you to make a mistake, and together, you know, you can have a great story and revive your career, and you can save me from going perhaps to death row. And so that's the way it started. And who, you know, what journalist, especially one who's just had been fired and needs his story more, uh, more great, great, with a greater need than, than ever before, who wouldn't be interested in such a deal? And so that's the way everything sort of started. Mike doesn't mention the word disgraced when he's no, talking he about that. But he is. Yeah, you know, yeah, I don't think he hides from you, it. He's he been quite it open yeah. about it. He knows he made a mistake. Essentially, Christian Longo, who said, I am innocent of the crime that I'm being accused of. You are my salvation. You are my only hope. You have got to investigate this case, find the real perpetrator, and prove to everyone, the justice system, everyone, that I am innocent of the crime with which I am being alleged to have committed. You think also already of the manipulation there, because Christian Longo knows certainly that the moment he says Mike Finkel's name, that the authority is going to look him up and know he is not Mike Finkel. Exactly that. So it's a very specific way to get a hold of somebody mm-hmm. that you're trying to get a hold of. Mm-hmm. In his defense, he's desperate. By involving them in it. Exactly mm-hmm. that. So at this point... Just look him up on Facebook. It's much easier. Well, you could. But again, the only way that you get Mike Finkel into this case is by doing just that. You know the newspaper is going to pick this up. Yeah. You know Mike Finkel, the real Mike Finkel, is going to be dragged into this particular story. So we heard the little face-off. We heard that Christian Longo begging for his life, saying, Mike, you need to look into this case. You need to prove... I." I'm innocent. Listen, Mike, I've come to you because I know you can no longer make any more mistakes. You've already hit rock bottom. I've come to you because this is a chance for you to save your career and for me to be exonerated of this heinous crime. Spoiler alert coming up here. But what happened then? I will tell you right now that Chris Longo is guilty. He is a murderer. But I really feel that you kind of, especially in the book, you sort of know that from the beginning. I've never thought of this as a who done it. Thought of this as a why done it. And the real question here is how this is a person, by the way, who had not ever committed a violent crime. In fact, uh, I hadn't even found an example of him using a swear word. I talked to people that went to the same church as Chris Longo, and there were women who told me, even after his arrest for murder, who told me they used to nudge their husband and say, why can't you be more of a husband like Chris Longo? Literally, he was this pillar of, uh, of the community and, you know, this person who seemed to be the most upright and outstanding person. How can you have such a secret life within you there? You, you have this violence that you kept tamped down all your life and suddenly explodes. How could that possibly happen? And then what elements of, does Chris Longo have that you might be able to spot it in someone else and know how to keep away. And so this is really, rather than, you know, guilty or not guilty, the real reason to, I think, either read the book or watch the movie is, is not, you know, I don't think the, the result is a surprise. I think the, 
the question that maybe we're all afraid to ask, which is like, you know, how can you tell if someone's lying? How can you tell if someone's truly a psychopath like Chris Longo? And can you tell? These are the questions I think that are both disturbing and riveting and really the focus of true story. Slightly disagree with him there. He's right to say that this normal guy, what set him off? There is a fascination. I'm sure the psychologist would be having a field day with that. But from what we have told you of the story and what we've heard from Mike, there is absolutely an interest in who done it. Because mm. here's a guy who has falsified, has said that he's called you to pull you into this story, and then is then saying to you, pleading for his life to say, you need to investigate this. And the reason I've come to you is because you can no longer make a mistake. You will have to be scrupulous in your research and in your investigation because you can afford no more mistakes. Yeah, and Chris Longo himself was an interesting character because we heard there his record was spotless yeah. prior to this. He didn't have any other previous indication or indicators that he could do such a thing. But that being said, I mean, looking into the day that his family disappeared, he went ahead and attended a Christmas party. He rented a movie from Blockbuster, worked a shift at Starbucks, and played a bit of volleyball. So very strange behaviors. Then he stole a car, drove to San Francisco, and bought his ticket to Mexico. So it's one of those ones where there was a spotless record, and then you Mm. have this kind of erratic, unusual behavior on the day that his family went missing. So it's just a, an interesting character. I mean, there's certain signals yeah, and signs that you pick up as as well along the way. Not like, you know, if anyone's watched the Netflix series on Ted Bundy, a mm. habitual serial killer. Not someone like that, no. but then not someone who commits a crime of passion either. So it's just a one-off spate, which was just... And that's, I guess that's the fascination for a lot of people when someone who you heard there never swore, was, was a pillar in his community, something set Chris Longo off to commit, and I said it, this heinous crime. Was there a specific moment? Coming back to it, you've heard there from Mike, but in his interactions with Christian, because remember, there's the, the there's knowing now what kind of happens and what befell of Christian Longo, Longo, but equally, there's the part of this story where Mike is in the thick of it. Was there an interaction where Mike went, I've been duped here, this man sat in front of me is guilty of murdering his family? One of the things I can say about Chris Longo, the murderer, is that, uh, you know, he might be a psychopath. He might be, uh, or he is, he is a murderer, but also, you can't deny this, he's extremely intelligent. And we were playing this little chess game with each other. And I was always trying to figure out why he was telling me all this stuff and why would he be so adamant that I would check everything, all the facts. Why, why would he want me to do this? And... I'm embarrassed to admit, but that's the way it goes sometimes, that I think I got outplayed in the chess game, and it was this moment where I realized that what Chris Longo was doing, every time he told me something that wasn't quite right or I didn't believe, I would bring it up to him, and he would explain it until I was satisfied. And what he was doing was preparing his defense. He was using me to create the perfect story that, that the journalist who had no, couldn't make any more mistakes would bet and thoroughly, you know, check, and then he was going to use the story, that story, to tell the jury and try and get away with murder. And when I realized that, and I realized that I hadn't seen it in advance, uh, that was the moment where I got chills down my spine and realized that I was being manipulated by the ultimate manipulator. That right there to me is one of the most powerful clips that we've played. There is a journalist who is face to face with a murderer. The dawning of 
this guy, and again, I'm repeating what has just been said there, is using me mm. in order to build the perfect defense. And it's got to be so hard to finally admit that because we all have ego. We all have a sense of self-importance. We all maybe, as we heard there from the very first clip that he told us, that he wanted to feel like it was a part of reverence, a part of just having a fan. And then having to come to terms with the fact that he had been manipulated and used for the purpose of this person who wanted to test out his defense must have been really shocking for him to come to grips with that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just seems a bit far-fetched, even now. And, of course, it moved on to, obviously, the present day, your chat with him and whether they had sustained some sort of relationship. Well, there is that. I wanted to find out as well, that moment he he said it there, it was kind of blood-curdling, the the spine, uh, the the shiver went up his spine when he, I guess, came to the realisation that he was being played in this situation. So I wanted to know, was he there for the sentencing of Christian Longo? And more than that, did he still have a relationship with the man today? Yes, I was in the court. And I've never been a believer in the death penalty. We can talk about that another time. But in this case, someone who murdered three young children and a beautiful and young wife, you know what? Frankly, he deserves it, if anybody deserves it. And so there's no part of me. He's, you know, he's 100% guilty. He confessed to me that he was guilty so there's no lingering doubt of his innocence and so if anybody deserves it it's Chris Longo for a while after he was sentenced to death we did keep in touch with via letter and the occasional phone call he would call me collect from death row in Oregon State Penitentiary in the northwestern United States but uh, it's been several years since we've been in contact. And as I mentioned, I have a wife and three kids, and the thought of his crime is so... I'll never, never, never get over the, you know, the, the creepiness of it. And uh, To be completely honest and frank, I am really glad that we are no longer in touch. But, you know, with someone like Chris Longo, who's, by the way, still on death row, uh, he probably has, you know, he might be 20 years before uh, the wheels of justice, which turn quite slowly, uh, get to the end... You know, it could happen at any moment that my phone would ring and there on my caller ID, it's kind of interesting what it says. It says, inmate call might flash and I'll have the, uh, I'll have that moment where do I answer or do I not? And I, I, I can't, I can't tell you what I'll do at this moment. The voice of Mike, think for that. How honestly, how creepy to spend that much time with somebody sure. who's a cold-blooded murderer yeah. and to know that he has your phone number and can call for a chat. Yeah, that he knows about you, that you have a relationship yeah. with him that's been formed and cultivated yeah. in a certain way. I should point out as well, Longo, Christian Longo, that is, is currently incarcerated. He is on death row at Oregon State Penitentiary. Capital punishment is still legal over in that part of the world of Oregon. There has been a, a moratorium on executions since 2011. So he is there, he is incarcerated. And yeah, Mike Finkel is, uh, is someone who told it very eloquently there. Thank you for listening, and if you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you could subscribe, rate, and give us a review. This podcast was presented by Chris McCarty, Sonal Rupani, and Robbie Greenfield, and produced by Tom Paul Smith. We hope you join us next time on The Big Interview.